0: We are proud to say that Bet DSI have rejoined us once again as one of our keynote sponsors on three yards per carry. We welcome them and we welcome you to join up with them. The NFL season obviously kicks off for the weekend. The college football season has just got underway, but it's not just limited to
1: football. There are a myriad of other sports out there that you could bet on. There's entertainment things, there's politics things at BetDSI.com. They have a great app. I've used it myself. I know the boys have used it too. They have a great mobile interface and you know, this year you can get a hundred and one percent match bonus on your first deposit of up to one thousand dollars. That's a hundred and one percent match bonus on your first deposit of up to one thousand dollars.
0: Use the code yards101. As always, yards101. Bet DSI for all of your betting needs and other ones that you probably didn't even know existed.
1: Yards101 with Bet DSI. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
0: And we're on, and welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry. This is a Victory Monday. Wow. I never thought I'd say that. And I actually thought that I wouldn't say it this weekend, but my two podcast mates did. And I have Chris Coffin here with me. I do not have Simon Clancy. He is tr- still traveling, trying to make his way back home. He is in Hong Kong right now. So
1: That's what he on. says. That's what he says, but he's really in yeah, it'd be something, recovery.
0: It'd be, it'd be something if this month-long jaunt to Tokyo was completely phony, right? He was just doing it to, to not do I think, I
1: think what's really happening is he's still crying about Tua Vilo. Vailo. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. he's, he has not recovered yet, so he will not be on the podcast tonight. Well, and, I'll make a uh,
0: prediction. I'll make a prediction. Okay, he will be on the show on Thursday show, because on Thursday show, we're planning an Alabama versus LSU pregame preview. How do you like that?
1: No, that you know, I I will he cry the entire time, because
0: he I might. Don't know. But yeah, I was planning. I it, might. And in fact, I'm kind of breaking news here to Chris Kaufman because I hadn't told him that. But I was what I wanted to do on the podcast on Thursday is talk about Alabama LSU and all the prospects in the game
1: which oh
0: by my count it's nine which is a lot
1: it's always nice to uh to to break it to your co-host like what we're going to be talking about like just before (laughs) the podcast like hey can you go can you Real like next five minutes well, can you research all the all the well, prospects that are playing this game well,
0: technically I'm breaking it to you on Monday for Thursday show. okay
1: so I've got I've got 48 hours of advance notice to, to yes. go break down all of these players
0: <laughs> yes. wonderful
1: that's this is just like my real job
0: <laughs> <laughs> well we got to talk about this the Dolphins win a game you guys called it I didn't see it because Dumbass me, I thought Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson would be enough to score enough. They weren't even enough to score enough because they scored sixteen points.
1: Yeah. Okay. And one of them, I mean, that was the big kick return, right? That got them. Didn't yeah. they? Didn't they score? Would, did they get a touchdown off that? I think I thought they did, but it was like um, that big kick return.
0: Yeah. And and also Adam GaSe going brain dead. I'm sorry. You have Le'Veon Bell at the three yard line, second and goal, with mm-hmm. a little under a minute left.
1: Oh, that was, if that there was, was ever
0: a Le'Veon Bell down and not a down to start throwing into the end zone, it was that one. And of course, that was absurd. And of course, Sam Darnold made the play of his career. The following play, where. Rolling to his left, he desperately just chucks the ball into a crowd of white jerseys, oh. <laughs> which was the most glorious thing if I was, like, really rooting for – because here's the thing. I'll tell you the truth. When the game started and the Jets put up that, that first touchdown, I was sure that I was right, that, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to lose a close one, but the Jets were going to find it within themselves to win. But as the game moved on and Fitzpatrick turned into Aaron Rodgers, I was sure that this was an absolute win and there was no chance in hell that the Jets were going to come back to win the game. But then when I saw Sam Darnold chuck a ball, this happened in the NFL, okay, folks? He's running to his left. Raquan McMillan is putting him under some duress. And he shot puts some the ball inside the red zone and namely inside the five-yard line into a crowd of white jerseys. And of course it gets picked. Was that the most hilarious jet play you've seen since the butt fumble,
1: Chris? I mean, well, the, nothing compares to the butt fumble. Um was well, a classic. It was just the sequence. I, I it was interesting that the you know, it was a turnabout on that entire, I don't know, scenario because a couple of weeks ago against the Bills, it was us doing that, right? I yeah. mean, it was, it was the, the Dolphins getting on the goal line and, you know, we're, we're about to, to go up even more or we're about, you know, because we were winning at that point. And, um, and then Jordan Phillips just knifes into the backfield, completely unblocked right through where I think Michael Dieter was supposed to be. Yeah, um, and, and sacks, you know, and, and takes down the ball uh, like, I don't know, eight yards or, or I, I don't know what the loss was, but it was a lot. And it, it impacted it. And then the very next play, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws that interception right on the goal line. And that was that was it. That was, you know, the game, the ball game just really snowballed from there. This was the Jets doing it. The Jets showing that special extra bit of incompetence <laughs> that it takes to um to be you know a truly bad NFL team and it was the Dolphins taking advantage of it and it was it was it was really interesting to be on the other side of that for once this year um but otherwise you know sir the first drive they they went all the way down the field got a touchdown did something that Adam Gase almost never did in Miami yes. mm-hmm. uh notorious for those first drives just absolutely terrible and they managed to do it and I, I was like wow, well, you know he might have he might have actually laid off the, um, the unidentified white powdery substance uh, for this game and, and allegedly. come into a clear headed. Um, but then, this then morning, it was, then inter- it was clear that he didn't.
0: <laughs> okay. I hate to interrupt you, but it, uh, I'm saying we're saying allegedly, and before anybody starts threatening lawsuits. Okay. This morning, I said
1: unidentified white powdery substance.
0: Exactly. This morning on ESPN pretty big network, right? We all agree. And mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith, pretty big personality, we all agree, right? Mm-hmm. He said that at the the introductory press conference. Remember when he had all these googly eyes and it was oh bleeding? yeah,
1: yeah, the taco the, eyes,
0: the taco eyes. Stephen A. Smith said, "I'm sorry, he was on drugs <laughs> in mm-hmm. that press conference." So if I'm Stephen A. Smith can say it, we can say it. There I can say wrong. I can say
1: unidentified white powdery substance. I there was care.
0: something wrong with Adam Gase. There has something yeah. been wrong with Adam Gase. Going There's
1: video of him, like, you know, d- d- popping the smelling salts on the, on the sideline and doing yeah. that, <laughs> you know, thing. I mean, he's, I mean, <laughs> come on. But anyway, um, yeah, so he was clear-headed for a drive. Yeah. So that was, that was um, good for them. Then he forgot then that, that he had
0: Le'Veon Bell on the team.
1: Yeah, it just all went downhill from there, the whole team. They
0: actually sat Le'Veon Bell on the sideline. And no complaints on his touches because if you look at it, he had 17 carries and he had eight catches, okay? That's enough, all right? Like, you should be able to do enough damage to the Dolphins with 25 touches. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Dolphins actually did a decent job of holding down Le'Veon Bell. But who also did a pretty good job of holding down Le'Veon Bell was Adam Gase, who actually sat him for an entire series, all right? Like, Mm. that's what you would do with, you know, no offense, but to a Kenyon Drake or to a Damian Williams, not to a guy that you paid $55 million to, Mm. right? Like, that's a guy that should be playing almost every down on offense. And it was just disappointing all around, but if we're going to look at silver linings and there's one dark cloud, you know, today, that is the emergence of our wide receivers. I'm going to say the wide receivers. Devontae Parker, I mean, Preston really Williams. They look like keepers to me.
1: Going It forward. wasn't an emergence though, because they were all they were already there. We knew that. The, I, mean, I didn't see anything new from any of them.
0: Well, Devontae Parker, we've all been wait, we've been waiting for some consistency, and it's beginning to show up a bit. Because it's Is showing it? up in game. Yeah, I think so.
1: I don't think well, consistency. I wouldn't go there yet. I, I, I well, think he has that a career high for
0: touchdowns already.
1: What did you see? That? I mean, he, he had that massive drop <laughs> on the same drive that he had that unbelievable touchdown, you know, catch. I mean, it was it was literally, wasn't it like the same drive?
0: Yeah, but he was also- saying that. I was
1: like, Devontae Parker, like, ridiculous drop there.
0: Yeah, but he was also robbed of a 38 yard gain on that ridiculous pass interference call, which wasn't pass interference.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So, you know, give or take. Preston Williams I'm I'm pretty sure both of us agree they mm-hmm. hit and they hit huge but
1: he was all he was always there too I think I mean mm-hmm. just just waiting for the opportunity listen if Miami had blocking and if they had consistent quarterback play then Preston Williams would be doing a lot more damage by now.
0: Yes.
1: Uh JaKeem Grant would be doing a lot more damage by now. Defonté Parker would be doing a lot more damage. Certainly a lot more damage than he has done. And and he's done he's done all right. I'm I'm not taking away from him at all. I think that he's Listen, under Tannehill, he had didn't he have like this phenomenal year?
0: Yeah.
1: Um and what year was that? Like 2015 or something like that? No, it was, uh, it, was, it was 2016. That's right, because yeah. it was the, the – ten. he had like an 800-yard year that year. I mean, they, we know what he's capable of. That's, that's about – that sounds about right for him. Uh, if we had more consistent quarterback play, I think that's that's the way that he would be. And Preston Williams would be even better. And Jakeem Grant would certainly be better than, than what he's done so far.
0: Yeah, now on Preston Williams, the news is evidently pretty bad because Armando Salguero says that he will miss most of the offseason. I, I, I made a call after the game yesterday, and I really didn't even want to ask about it because I saw Preston Williams come back into the game, but then I saw a picture of him on a cart in the, in the tunnel. So I made a call. and That was I, weird. It, that was strange. And I asked, you know, what, you know, what's going on because this looks bad to me. And I was told, we don't know, but it could be like an MCL. I just got like a, like a run like, okay, it's not that bad, but it could be bad because he could be shut down because he might need surgery or not. I got no definitive answers. What I took it to mean was that he probably, and you kind of like intimated that maybe that's what, what they were trying to convey to me is that he passed like his wiggle test where they checked his knee and possibly, you know, they basically told him on the field, okay, you don't have an ACL injury. You might have something else, but it comes out today that he has a probable ACL injury. So it was much worse than what I was told that it could be. And he's going to miss most of the off season. Now this is a huge setback. What do you make of it? And is this something to be concerned about? Cause this sounds wor- much worse than a regular ACL injury.
1: I'm told he has a lot of swelling. So there's, it's a cloudy situation. There's it's a lot of swelling and, um, and it's, I think they're going to be checking rechecking over the next couple of weeks sort of to, mm-hmm. to figure out everything that's going on. Um, it did surprise me that this is all of a sudden an ACL injury, but whether it's a surgical ACL injury or a non-surgical ACL injury is up in the air because Mm. that's not all ACL injuries are made, you know, are the same. So, uh, some of them require surgical intervention. Some of them don't require surgical intervention. We'll see. Um, it surprised me when Armando Salguero said that, uh, that he's could miss all of, you know, mini camps, OTAs, training camp you know basically most of training camp and preseason um that surprised me a little bit even if it is an acl tear like a a, just a full-blown acl tear to to go ahead and predict that um we'll see how that is i i think if if i'm uncomfortable with something it's because if it's not a full-blown acl tear um that and if there's sort of a a The dynamic comes into it that we saw with Ryan Tannehill where it's like should I have the surgery or should I you know not have the surgery what should I do Um, I think there's a lot of there's a general opinion from some people that are like if you can get away with not doing surgery you just don't do surgery because anything could go wrong in a surgery Um, and and it certainly backfired on Ryan Tannehill. And so I, I don't want that to happen. Uh, that doesn't sound great to me. No. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm kind of hoping that if it, is, if it is really injured, even if it's not a full tear or anything, um, a, you know, just a partial tear, then he goes ahead and has the surgery. But who knows? Um, may, and maybe that's part of what Armando was hearing is like, you know, hey, if it's even a little, you know, if it's torn a little bit, partial tear, whatever, you should probably have the surgery. And that would mean that he doesn't come back until – or he's on kind of a pitch count and even during training count and yeah. camp and preseason and all that. It sucks, though. It sucks. He was he was a pro, very promising undrafted free agent rookie. and We think he might have been the best – you know i i have always said that since since he was signed i said that he was the second best acquisition the dolphins made the entire offseason
0: mm-hmm.
1: um behind only christian wilkins and even that you know you're kind of wondering well might be better than christian wilkins <laughs> yeah
0: um, Christian Wilkins had a really good game yesterday too
1: yeah to be fair but certainly uh so i, I guess this sucks we'll see um but you know Know, this is this is the way the dolphins are. What didn't surprise me? I thought you know for sure they're going to shut them down because I think they're just shutting people down. Yes. Like I think they're shutting people down if they've got anything going on.
0: Told.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they got anything going on, you know, we're not pushing anything this year. We know this year doesn't mean anything. We're shutting people down left and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, they signed.
0: That's basically what I was told. Like after the game, I was told, you know. You know, we think, you know, it could be an MCL, but if it is an MCL, he's probably gone for the the year because that's a four-week injury. Yeah. Like, if we have playoff aspirations, then maybe you could pencil him in, you know, five weeks from now, six weeks from now, you know? But Mm -hmm. we do not have playoff aspirations (laughs) around here. No, they do not. (laughs) Okay? Unless they're just going to run off every single game for the rest of the year. And even then, that's not enough. Okay? Now, a lot of people are pretty nervous and some people are proclaiming the quest for Tua dead. Now I was mm-hmm. thinking after watching that game, you know, you can add another guy that you can just hand over to Tua Tonga and say, look what we have here already. And this is before free agency. This is before the draft. And that's Mike Kasaki. Now that's a guy that has emerged. While Devontae Parker was always here and Preston Williams was always here and that's pretty nice to show to a tongue of eye, all of that now he has a tight end i believe because mike kosecki is coming on just had his best game as a pro six for 95 yards what did you make of it and is this the beginning of something and the
1: beginning of something um i thought i mean he's he again did we not know that he could do this? I mean, that, he's he's kind of doing in the passing game what we knew he could do. He's he's not doing anything I I think in the running game that we didn't think he could do. Um, mm-hmm. or or you know he's not doing especially well I guess. Um, as a as a as a run blocker I, or anything like that. I'd, and he's not pass blocking. I mean he's he's pass protected eight times this year and none in the last couple of games um i don't know i we've always known that he could do this i or at least we should have always known that he can do this um the, the question previous, is
0: the previous coach was too well yeah in that way
1: yeah that's unfortunate but um yeah I, I just i just wonder if we're seeing anything new The new thing to me was that, A, Ryan Fitzpatrick found the time to get the ball to these guys, has been finding the time to get the ball to these guys, and, B, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been consistent enough to actually get the ball to these guys because, in my opinion, Preston Williams has always been there doing at this level, Um, you know, maybe sometimes – he had, he dropped the ball or something like and he, he he didn't finish some really challenging catches some catches that would have been highlight real catches and people are like on him about that um but you know Preston Williams always been there Devonte Parker we know what he is Mike he should have known I mean if anybody's watching him at my at Penn State you know what kind of catches he's capable of. you know what his speed is mm-hmm. you know that he can you know I mean there's there's nothing really all that new or surprising there, Jakeem Grant, you kind of have known what he can do in the passing game, um, which is to create separation and and that 's what he's done, uh, especially on those especially on those like comebacks and stuff like that where he gets I was looking this up in next gen stats he um he's like uh, i don 't know eighth in the NFL among wide receivers in in average cushion you know before the or at the snap basically like how much how much cushion the dBs give them mm. and the uh, the notable thing about that is like is like these other guys that are up there they're slot guys <laughs> so so they, and when you're a slot guy there's something inherent you you don't necessarily have guys right up on you in the line of scrimmage um based because of the way that um, that uh, that defenses line up. Uh, he's an outside guy mostly. And so, uh, so the fact that he's got so much cushion, you know, that's so, so you've seen, you've seen him take advantage of that cushion, which you know, he can do. Uh, I just haven't seen a whole lot. That's, uh, that's new. It's just, you know, if anything is surprising, it's that. How's the offensive line kind of holding up sort of maybe Hmm. somewhat, you know, with Jamar. Webb at left tackle and and uh and Jesse Davis had a good game <laughs> against like genuinely against the Jets. Um Chris Reed, they're starting to to get him, you know, for the third game in a row, really, he was the highest graded offensive lineman on the team from uh from Pro Football Focus. But still, they mixed in Keaton Sutherland for 25 snaps just because they have it out for Chris Reed for some reason. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, I don't know um, what it is either.
1: But Michael – okay, so Michael Dieter was a disaster again for the most part. But um, Evan Bame played played well at center this time. Um, he hasn't done that every game, but he's he's played well at center. So it's he, has like,
0: look, he has a look to a, bo- a bottom, and he seems in charge, and you want to see your center – you know be talkative and communicating with everybody else on the offensive line and he does that like he he you know he looks mm-hmm. the part so far
1: yeah i mean so so how's the the offensive line giving ryan fitzpatrick enough time and enough space to get the ball to these guys and let them we always knew that the pass catching weapons were the best part of the offense um that's that's weird that's the weird part to me uh it, i mean they certainly have taken their lumps but they've also been all right, uh, at, at other times. And of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick, how long could he go on like this? Forever. Like,
0: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> during, the broadcast, going- during the broadcast, they were saying that, uh, they talked to him during the week and that Fitzpatrick sounded like a guy that wants to play till he's 40 and that he can play till he's 40 because he feels like he's in great shape, that he still has the same arm strength, et cetera. I don't know, man. i, I you know, I definitely want him as my backup next year. I'll tell you that right now. Just
1: yeah, like me too. Pinch. I mean first that's of all, the guy. That's sight. the guy you want. That's the guy you want mentoring and uh and competing with to a tonga and in yes. camp next year.
0: And if we and need him, him in a pinch, if we need him in a pinch, first of all it's gonna be really entertaining. Second of all, you know, he can do this. Like he he'll win games game like that yesterday.
1: He damn near won the Washington game coming in a half, you know, in the fourth quarter alone yes you know he he directed that attack to damn near win the Washington game um that was all him I mean not all him there was a team effort going on but still you can
0: make a case that he had the Buffalo game won if not for two other parts of the team letting the team down sure you know namely the secondary and special teams so yeah you know who knows? He could have been working on a three-game winning streak, and we've all would have been <laughs> pulling our hair out right now. Although we would have but been I mean, proclaiming this offense is a hell of a coach, though.
1: With this offensive way. line, though, Alf, How long is he going to stay healthy?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like we have been waiting, but well, he because he's, he's
1: a scrambling he's, guy. He makes people miss. He you know he does he's he does dancing a lot. Through the raindrops.
0: He's dan- he's dancing through the raindrops. He's seeing people coming and getting rid of it. You know, so he's not taking bad hits. I'm pretty he's certain. He's taking a
1: few, though. He's yeah. taking a few that make me like, woof.
0: But he's much more aware than than Josh Rosen. I think Josh oh, yeah, Rosen yeah. probably would have been gone by now.
1: Which is odd because, you know, everybody kept trying to tell me that this is the thing that Josh Rosen has. Yes. You know, that well, because he showed, it, he showed it in, in so one preseason game.
0: game. He showed it in one preseason yeah. game. He showed some elusiveness. So everybody's like, oh, whoa, wow, it's, he has that.
1: It's crystal clear that Ryan Fitzpatrick has that way above him.
0: Absolutely. As, and let's as far be fair, as making we were guys miss awareness. Yeah, we were used to watching Ryan Tannehill yesterday. Ryan Tannehill took, right. took a shot that he was completely oblivious. He was just standing there, like, hey, yeah. wow, I got time here. Let me see if this guy's open. No, you mm-hmm. know what? I want this corner. I'll boom. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he's completely oblivious, and these guys are not. Yeah. So they have that dreaded what is it? What do what people like the pocket presence?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fitzpatrick clearly has that, and that's the only reason Absolutely. he's surviving this season behind this offensive line. Yeah. But um, Josh Rosen, I don't think he's—he's he's not even—I don't think he's even really close to that. I don't think he's quite as bad as. Well, I mean, you know, it's it—it it can be—it can be a question sometimes. It's inconsistent. It can be a question about Tannehill. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's just—I still—I mean, at some point you've got Jamarcus Webb blocking your left, your blind side. You've got Michael Dieter just, you know, playing sun pass lane on a left guard at times. Uh, and at right tackle, you know, Jesse Davis alternates good games and bad games, mostly because in the bad games, he ends up having to face somebody really, really freaking good. Yes. And, um, and that's just not going to work out for him. And so, uh, so yeah, at some point, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, and that, that kind of works out for Miami if you want to go 1-15 and because the next stretch of four games is, I mean, well, it's clearly not the, the last stretch. The last stretch of four games is when the Dol- Dolphins face the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, and then the New England Patriots who may or may not be playing for anything in Week 17.
0: Mm. although, although yeah. they, they just took a beating from the ravens and they did
1: but they're also that's their only that's their only loss
0: yeah so if you're if you're if you're a tank fan i think you're rooting for patriot losses because that way they will need that game yeah on field absolutely so yeah and
1: they, they could they could just decide to screw us right <laughs> and say you know if we just lose to the doll if we just lose to the dolphins this game then they're not going to get a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. <laughs> I'll take that. You know, I would yeah. do it, but I mean, so especially if like I already had my playoff standing cinched up. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you got to worry see, about that.
0: You can see how they could sit like, like 30 guys. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I'm kind of like, I hate to root for injuries, but that final four game stretch, I'm like, I don't want Josh Rosen in the game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah now am i falling for the banana and the tailpipe by for rooting for Devontae parker because i like what i'm seeing. if we're gonna get 16 games of this yeah you are <laughs> i am so so yeah. he's, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna betray me once again is what you're saying oh yeah absolutely because yeah,
1: because this is how he does it like he he stays healthy for a little bit and you see a few good catches and Let's be honest. It's He's not like excited. lighting anything. He's not lighting anything on fire up there. Um, no. But you know, a few sense. good He's catches, few good with plays, interspersed with, intersperse some, with some bad ones. Yes. And then, and then he gets, you know, he he gets injured. He gets he he gets hurt, and and that's not his fault. But that's that's the way it is. And well, it
0: could be it could be his fault with how he takes care of his body.
1: It could and be, but you know, I don't. I'm not close to him. I don't know that. Um, so. You know, I, I want to say that's not his fault, uh, but it just seems to be the way it is with him. So uh, we'll see. I mean, he'll probably be given a chance to come back here next year. But I think I if if you're looking at say tonga Viola coming in, mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, what's what do we got going for us? Well, it's clearly not the offensive line, um, but the receivers are pretty good yeah if they're available you know Preston Williams if he if he comes back available and, and today was a big blow to us that way but JaKeem Grant if i have to think of the kind of quarterback that could actually make use of JaKeem Grant the way that to his full potential it is Tua Tunga-Vailoa.
0: and Albert because, Wilson.
1: yeah and Albert Wilson and Albert Wilson all of a sudden becomes Viable again, and that's because Tua has has the accuracy to hit the smaller, fast guys, and and that's what you want. That's what. So uh, he would be stepping into a, a I would think, a, a ready made pass catching unit. Tua would. You wouldn't have to. Everybody talks about like getting Jerry Judy up top or something like that. And yeah, I guess it would be nice to. It'd always be nice to Absolutely. be to, to get to get talented players to go yeah. with your I don't think talented this quarterback team, but I don't think this. I don't think, think you need
0: afford, it I don't, I don't think they can afford luxuries this offseason
1: well that's the thing I mean if it, yeah you get that guy and then it's like well you'd better like, have made like, sure that you know, that, that offensive a, line can block
0: to put it, to put it bluntly Dolphin fans uh, be happy with Mike Kosecki like you don't want to upgrade mm-hmm. Mike Kosecki with a top 100 pick okay like your top right. 100 picks are dedicated to fixing that offensive line defensive line and secondary because that's, what, that's the quickest way to competency. Okay.
1: Yeah. And maybe even the linebacking unit. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. they don't have the linebacking unit as versatile as they really want it. Um, and I think that that's, that, showed, that showed in the last game. You know, it showed in the last game when they were stuck playing Sam Aguavon over in, in, at, at, you know, sort of a, an outside, a 3-4 outside linebacker position again. And it didn't work. It yeah. was terrible um so i you know they don't have that position where they want it The vince beagle i get has been a really nice find um and that he looks like he might stick for a bit but
0: he looked good again yesterday
1: yeah he did um i think i think i mean they need they need so much secondary work and they need so much offensive line work like that has to be the focus
0: absolutely because that's you know that's the quickest way and then the following year
1: and now they don't have running backs
0: yeah, of course. Yeah. That's another thing. Cause you know, right. well, that's another thing. Mark Walton is now suspended and Kenyon Drake is in, you know, in Arizona putting up hundred and sixty-two yards in of total offense in a game. And we all knew funny that how that works, capable. isn't it? It, it, it? Well, we knew he was capable of it because we saw him do it here for six games. But it seems like Kenyon Drake is only a guy that is good as a featured back, because mm you know, as a complimentary back. And like, like, when has he had, if you think about it, if you go back, when has Kenyon Drake had big games as a complimentary back? And I
1: don't think you can have big games as a compliment. I mean, it's almost by definition. You're not getting the ball very much. He averaged one, over his career in Miami. He averaged almost five yards. To carry. And what more do you want? Well, he had a big more, touchdown more run against That just tells you just give him the ball more. Yeah. He-
0: He had the big touchdown run against Buffalo in the playoff clinching game. But what I mean by having big games as a complimentary back, uh, Damian Williams for a while here was getting three carries a game, but he was catching four or five passes on occasion. So, you know, he was contributing in other ways. Yeah, you know, well, so
1: is Ken and Drake. I mean,
0: yeah, I, it's, it's a shame, you know. Like, and I was wondering, like, maybe, he, maybe we revisit it at the end of the. Season. I just, I just think all
1: along, all along, you look at his efficiency all the way around, pass catching, running, and you just say, well, we could just give him more, <laughs> yeah. and that would have been, and that would have been the answer. That would have been the answer. Let's be honest, that would have been the answer with him. Absolutely, but although for some reason they didn't want to do that,
0: maybe yeah. it was because. He didn't want to be here. I don't know. Um, and I've heard some, 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 you know, some talk about his personality. Man, I, I was, I was around that guy for you know. for two years, and I didn't see it. Like he just, yeah, you know, some athletes are aloof. Like, look, Rashad Jones, he's aloof. Okay, but you know, and kind of arrogant. But you watch him, you know, interacting with the other players, and he's fine. Keen Drake is the same way. Kane Drake, like, he may not talk to the media a lot, but it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with him. Just means that he just doesn't like doesn't like talking to the media, but you watch him interacting and you watch him work after practice, and there I never saw a problem with King and Drake. I did see Jay Ajay that one year, you know, complain plenty during practice, mm. so you know you could tell that there's the difference in personalities. So I never understood. It's a huge mystery to me, and it's a bigger mystery to me, not what happened this year because you know it's the cost of tanking your team is not set up for success. So Kenyon Drake was going to have a hard time seeing success here, but it's a mystery to me coming off of 2017, the last six games, he plays well. And all of us are just walking around here. Like I'm pretty sure everybody was thinking, okay, time to get my Kenyon Drake Jersey. We have, we have a bell cow, you know, we have a star player. Uh, I can take you back to all of those, uh, all those, those pieces that were written during those last six, six games where everybody was saying, Oh, they, they found another guy. They have a guy, that they can count on now, they have a, a semi-star running back. Then comes the offseason, they sign Frank Gore. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this kind of makes sense. You know, you have Frank Gore to back up Kenyon Drake. You know, maybe you could use him on the goal line. No, that, that's, not, that's not what Adam Gase was thinking. He was thinking that he was going to start a timeshare again. And there went Kenyon Drake's career here in Miami. And it's a shame, but I think he's going to play well in, in Arizona. And I was talking to a friend of mine today and he was telling me that David Johnson, a guy that he follows a lot, that they're not long for him. Like the fans and like a lot of the beat writers in Arizona, they want to be done with David Johnson. And a lot of them are advocating for signing Kenyon Drake and trading David Johnson in the off season. So.
1: I it wouldn't surprise me. That, so there is
0: that. Okay. So if Kenyon Drake starts having those big numbers next year, then, you know, who do we blame? And I think it's obvious who we blame is the guy going to get fired from New York, Adam Gase. <laughs> now, a lot of fans, and we'll close with this, a lot of fans were downright suicidal, okay, after they won this game yesterday. Some were very happy, okay, and you can be happy beating the Jets, but what does this do to the first overall pick? Some people are proclaiming the hunt for the first overall pick dead. You have over other ideas.
1: All uh, right, it's – so this didn't this alone did nothing um almost nothing uh virtually nothing so everybody had already been considering say for example the Bengals game you know you've got to lose that that's the two bowl, right yeah um and again the Jets we play the Jets up in New York you got to lose that right you got to lose basically they're saying you got to lose every game well nothing's changed that way because you st- the Dolphins still have to lose every game. I mean, so so literally nothing has changed. Uh, if they're 1-15, then I'm not saying there's no scenario that the Dolphins don't end up getting the number one overall pick at 1-15, but it is highly, highly unlikely due to the strength of schedule, and I just modeled it out. Um, I just modeled it out earlier today, as a matter of fact, because Barry Jackson of the of, – Miami Herald and I were kind of going back and forth about it. Um, it the strength of schedule tiebreak is such that it's, it's highly unlikely that Miami wouldn't get the number one pick in a tiebreak situation with the Bengals or Redskins or certainly the Falcons. Um, so, so, yeah, 1-15, they get it. They get, they get Tua. Um, that's not a question to me. The question is, you're looking at the season – and we've all seen it, and this is what's a little bit disturbing to me, is the season is usually kind of cyclical, wavy, um, inconsistent. One of the trademarks, one of the hallmarks of, uh, of New England has always been that their season isn't so much inconsistent as it is like, a straight line, like they they start out a certain way, and they are a certain way in September, and then they're better in October, and then they're better in November, and then they're the best in December um if you look at Miami season and you see the way they started out against Baltimore, the way they continued on against New England, it's a straight line you could draw virtually i mean yeah they're they almost the game that they almost won prior to this one was against the Redskins, but that was against a terrible, terrible team. I mean, you could draw a straight line really from, from that Baltimore game to this game and say that the dolphins have gotten a little bit better in every single game. And a lot of people say that about teams and it's never really true. Um, It is kind of true in this case to me, it is. And so That's a little bit disturbing if you were like, I want to go one in 15 and get to a tongue of by low because they're going to be a little bit better next week than they were this week. And then a little bit better the week after that. And then they, their last four games of the year, December, if they're the best they've ever been, then December is when they play the jets again and the Bengals and the giants who, you know, you don't write home about the giants. Um, and then you know week 17 new england we'll see which which new england team shows up whether they're actually playing for anything so yeah th- this could be like we could be looking at as as much as it was like it'd be like ridiculous of me to suggest this we could be looking at like a 5 and 11 team jesus christ <laughs> i mean we could i'm i'm not saying we will be but i mean seriously the the fact that they are just trending a little bit better every week which again i never say that I, I never agree with that when people say that they're just talking out their asses when mm-hmm. they say that but in this case it's really true and the fact that these this staff all comes from new england where they have that that history of doing the exact same thing a little bit disturbing <laughs> yeah,
0: so what's disturbing to we'll me see. is the defense playing yeah. better and better every well season. that's
1: and that's the hallmark of new
0: england right Yeah, that's. And that's – and I don't know how the hell they're doing it. Like, how are they doing it? They're playing guys off the street at cornerback. And Robbie literally,
1: Anderson – Literally. They just signed a guy.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And he's, like, starting.
0: Yes. And it Robbie is Anderson, absurd. Now, now, Robbie Anderson did shake loose for one play, but it didn't matter because Sam Darnold was getting pressured. He was getting hit. and didn't have yeah. the time to complete that long route, which was, like, a flag route. Like, it was kind mm-hmm. of like a sluggo. That turned it was a really interesting route. I don't know if you remember yeah. the play. Do you remember the play?
1: Uh, sort of, somewhat. Where he
0: kind of completely busted open. It was kind of a sluggo, but then he busted it to toward a flag. So mm-hmm. it was like a sluggo flag, and he was dead open. Like he could have, Sam Darnold, if he had time, he could have punted it to him, and it would have been a 70 yard touchdown, you know, sometime early in the fourth quarter, which would have given them enough time to complete the comeback. But he couldn't do it because he had Taco Charlton in his face. So. Yeah, the, the, what's disturbing is the defense is getting better because I think there's a ceiling to the offense. I think three touchdowns is the ceiling. So if a team can mm. score, I don't think we have a hope in hell against them. So that's why I feel, you know, it, it's odd to be saying that I feel good about losses, but I feel good about a loss against the Colts because even with Brian Hoyer, and they're talking about that Jacoby Brissett's going to play, even with Brian Hoyer, that team can run the ball. And that's mm-hmm. a complete football team. They're really, really good. So yeah. I think that, you know, three touchdowns is not enough to beat them. And then you have a team like – and I'm only going to talk about the the vulnerable. Okay? A team like the Giants. Giants can score. Okay? So I don't know if, you know, if we're in that much danger there. Now, Cincinnati, I don't know. And the Jets in New York, I don't know. And – that, that gives me a little bit of uh, a – Well, quite
1: frankly, Cleveland.
0: Cleveland, yeah, that's another one. That's another one. 21 points might be enough against Cleveland. And, and it's unbelievable to say that because they have Jarvis Landry, right. Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. But Baker right. Mayfield is damn near incompetent now. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. I mean, there's, there's clearly something going on between – with the chemistry all, all the way around.
0: Absolutely. That play, that fourth down play, and I want to talk about that right here in closing, right before we send you into Monday Night Football. That game, it, it, the, the pivotal play of that game was that fourth and four at the end. The play design was, you know, kind of iffy. It seemed like they wanted to get the ball to their running back. Baker Mayfield ends up throwing it to Jarvis Landry on a little crossing route. He's double-covered. You know who wasn't double-covered? You know who only had Chris Harris on him? Odell Beckham. You know who Odell Beckham beat by three yards on a go-route? Chris mm-hmm. Harris. So the game was right there. Beckham Manfield just sees it, throws the go-route, and it's a punt. Uh, like, he had him beat bad, okay?
1: Yeah, but how many times have you seen on, like, fourth and short or third and short, the quarterback throws a go-route and everybody yeah. in the fucking stadium is, is, is groaning and, and saying – you know you only needed three yards or you only needed four yards
0: yeah but what if it's a go route on -on one-on-one coverage with the best what you think is the best wide receiver on the planet
1: but also one of the best corners in the league i mean that's true too let's be fair i mean so i don't know i'm just saying i know marino marino did it marino (laughs) did a lot of things but he
0: did it in his comeback game actually uh if take you down memory lane remember the every fryer fourth and five and Marino hits the go route to Arun Fryer to take the lead on the Patriots in his comeback game after the Achilles. But yeah, Baker Mayfield ain't no Dan Marino.
1: No, I mean no, nobody's Dan Marino, really. We've we found we <laughs> yeah. found many times over the years. And um, yeah, just we'll see. I mean, I, I think we're we're going against the, a brutal part of the schedule for the tank, folks. In that, you know, we've we've got some really bad opponents coming up. We got the uh the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets again. The Giants are I don't you know, whatever their strengths and weaknesses are, they're not a good football team. No. Cincinnati Bengals, of course. Um, and if this is a team that is a little bit better in October than they were in September, a little bit better in November than they were in October, and a little and the best that they're gonna be in December, then this is a team that's gonna win some of those games. And we're gonna end up with like four and twelve. Something like that, or four uh, uh, and. I mean, that's yeah. that, that might even be my expectation right now at this point. Is like four and twelve, and if that's the case, Jake you know, Fong. say goodbye to it, We got no shot, no shot.
0: Yeah, no. At four and twelve, you have zero shot for Tua Tonga law and yeah. you really and you're actually thinking about trading that pick.
1: I mean, I'd 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 try to trade. I'd pack. I said before, I'd package and see if I could trade up for him because I'm thinking means that much.
0: But, but I don't think uh, it's gonna happen.
1: I don't think it's gonna happen. And yeah. so you're like, uh, you got to deal with whatever they think of Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, and you don't want to. And you don't. And I was told something that was that was interesting uh, yesterday when when the game was over. I was told, look, if you end up with the second overall pick, man, I think if the Bengals have the first overall pick, I think they'll take one first-round pick for that one spot because they don't strike me as the team that is going to be that sold on Tua Bailoa. So they might be – they might say, you know what? If you're just going to give me a first-round pick, we'll give you this pick. You know what I mean? So you swap Mm -hmm. places and you hand them, let's say, the Houston pick. I think they might take it, and then they'll just take the guy that they wanted originally. might be Herbert or Burrow or whatever. You know? I
1: I, I – I don't see it working out that way, but that's just—I've always—I've always been pretty adamant that I believe that whoever's picking number one is most overwhelmingly likely to take to a tongue of Um yeah. and I think that that's going to be the case. And I think that, you know, as we sit here today, even though I talk all all about all the tie breaks, and it is absolutely true, one in fifteen Miami has this. Yes. Um,
0: but doesn't I don't think
1: they're—I don't think they're going one in fifteen. You know that's. Although that's now they don't line. have
0: Preston Williams, and they won't have Mark Walton for four weeks. So.
1: Yeah, then they get Mark Walton back just in time for the last four game stretch against the Jets, <laughs> Giants, Bengals, yeah. and and a or, week seven or even
0: years. worse. Maybe this is the the emergence of Kellen Balaj.
1: <laughs> yeah, f- God.
0: <laughs> you know, if that happens, then we're really screwed.
1: The untimely.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it doesn't look good, and the team looks really together. That that locker room scene. You know, I don't know.
1: I think we're 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 in good shape. We're back in good shape if Josh Rosen ends up back at quarterback. Like let's say Fitzpatrick something happens, and I don't wish injury on anybody, but something happens this week against the Colts, um, which I think we're losing this game anyway. But
0: yeah, I think mean, we if have something hope happens this against week against
1: them, yeah. or the or the Bills the following week. Yes. Um, and And we see Josh Rosen against like the Browns, the Jets, Giants Bengals. Then I do believe that we're, we're we got the inside track still onto Tua Tonga Bi, just to be clear.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it. There is no more. Next time we talk to you guys, we'll be on Thursday. Hopefully we will have Simon Clancy here and we will preview Alabama LSU, big game. a lot of good prospects. Two great quarterbacks. Hopefully we'll have two great quarterbacks. On Saturday. But that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys on Thursday.
1: Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.